Listeners, and welcome aboard Costume Station Zero. Today I'm sitting here with two lovely ladies, my girlfriend Terry Samuels. Hello. And Miss Christina Strofolino <laughs> Keller. I always get this bad. I'm sorry. Say that again. Christina Strofolino Keller. Thank you. <laughs> um, and today, uh, aside from talking about all kinds of uh, fun costumes in Doctor Who Land and Beyond, like uh, Dodo Chaplet and uh, the Mavellans and Black Canary and uh, Giant Adiposes. Uh, the theme today really is uh, girlfriends who get into cosplay through their boyfriends. So uh, let's kind of get in. Let's get, let's talk about the beginning. Uh, uh, Christina, your your first cosplay experience. Um, well, my first cosplay experience um, wasn't actually me dressing up. It was uh, my husband Malachi deciding he wanted to make a Batman costume, mm-hmm. and uh, my son was only a couple months old, so I had to keep going back and forth between him and and Malachi. So I remember wrapping him in plastic wrap and then having him put his costume on, and then I had to glue the pieces of the costume to to him. Uh, Through through cling wrap, you're saying? Yeah, so Uh his legs were wrapped, Mm -hmm. and he put the costume on, and then I just had to slap the, the pieces onto the actual costume. And I'd have to run back and forth every five minutes. Wow. And he got um, chemical burns and whatnot. So <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's, it's a fun fun reminder. But, yeah, that was my first attempt at actually doing anything with costuming. Uh-huh. What, when was that? This was probably about four, five years ago. Five years ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and Terry, um, what would, I mean, I know when we first did a convention, but what, what do you consider your first costume experience? Well, the first costume that I really put together by myself would be my Halloween costume when I was Little Bo Peep, I guess. I mean, um... Oh, yeah, that was about 2006. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. That was... Was that adapted out of a bag costume? Right? It or? was. It was from a bag costume, and I got extra fabric, and I attached it um, onto the skirt, and I got some props and stuff like that, and a wig, and um, I really, like, tried to, like, make it look as good as possible, you know? Like, I was really, like... I basically, I didn't want there to be any weak links, you know, like a crappy wig or whatever. But I did have my glasses that year, so that uh-huh. was probably the one thing I could have done better. But it worked oh. out really good. No, so. no, I remember yeah. it was a really cute costume, yeah. Um, so, uh, in, in terms of your own personal costume, Christina, was it was it the Adipose or was it something before that? Um, well, actually, when I was about seven years old, I remember traveling all over L.A. trying to find the pieces for my witch costume. A generic witch or a particular witch? Um, it was a generic witch, but my mom and I decided to go really crazy with getting like the perfect wig. We had to go downtown for that, and then Hollywood for the perfect broom and all the perfect accessories. Mm-hmm. And I actually lost the costume contest at my school to a kid in a sheet. 
god. That's uh, that's a pretty common story, sadly. I think. Yeah, and that actually kind of turned me off to the whole idea of doing costumes when mm. I'm going crazy. It's like, why am I going to put all this effort when I lost to a sheet? Yeah. The, the, well, except I've, uh, I've, I mean, I've said this before, but Halloween costume contests and uh, school costume contests to me are not a good learning curve, in my opinion, because the popular stuff, the funny stuff, tends to always win over uh, quality. Maybe not always, but a lot, I, I find. But um, most recently, my first adult costume experience has been, um, was my oud. Oh, okay, and right. That, and that was very hastily thrown together. Uh, Malachi's brother... Um, made the mask for me and I literally like went to Target and Goodwill trying to find the pieces I think it was three days before Galley. Mm -hmm. so yeah it, it was just kind of tossed together like the ball was made you know the night before mm -hmm. and I was so excited because I figured if I'm gonna go and do a costume I wanted something kind of out there and not common mm -hmm. sure sure now uh, what did you do to make your uh, ball that's all Malachi. Oh, okay. <laughs> we had um, um, some plastic um, balls that we got from, I think it was Michael's. Mm -hmm. Cut them in half, used some frosted um, spray paint, mm -hmm. and then we put some light in there. But we never had the right diffusion on it, mm -hmm. so we kept kind of adding stuff to it. But it was just kind of looked all wonky for the first try. And then mm -hmm. we kind of tweaked it again for Comic-Con, and I kept dropping it. <laughs> Um, so was that your first, uh, convention experience in a costume, Gallifrey one, or was it, uh, something else? It was Gallifrey. Mm -hmm. That was my very first experience, and it was nice. It was people, you know, they were like, oh my god, it's an oud, and it, and it was like, it was the best experience to have as your first time in a costume, because if I was to go to, like, Comic-Con or something, they'll be like, oh, what is that? Oh, are you, like, some weird alien, and, mm -hmm. you know, and they wouldn't know what I was. Right. But since I was at a convention where obviously everybody would know what an oud is, mm -hmm. I got a nice warm experience. And so it kind of was like, oh, I might do this again. <laughs> so so a good experience is, is crucial. Now, uh, Terry, I know your first experience outside of Halloween, and I know you did that groovy 60s girl and, and some other costumes, was Comic-Con 2009. Yes, and I did a bunch of costumes that year, um, thanks to my friend Vicki Sebring, who um, helped me make uh, my Star Trek dress, and um, also I ended up borrowing her, um, her, her Batgirl costume and mm -hmm. wearing that, and then I did a Black Canary, which was basically uh, my first costume that I kind of put together myself, because it was mostly found pieces, and like my jacket was vintage, and uh, I basically just had it altered, and... Um, the Bolero cut. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I remember uh, uh, going shopping with you to try to find the one piece, the basic one piece that it all starts from, that Playboy bunny kind of suit, and we couldn't find one. I think you had to get it online eventually? Yeah, mm. I did. Yeah, yeah. I think the only thing we scored that day were the tights, not even the, the fishnet tights. Right, yeah. Mm. We went to a dance store, I think, and got them. Was it a dance store? I remember being more of one of those Hollywood uh, lingerie well, stores. We did but... go to a Hollywood stripper store, and mm -hmm. I, I actually <laughs> got two different pairs of fishnets before I got the right um, the right size or whatever. So. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I found that going to dance stores really doesn't always, they don't have a lot of what you'd need. Mm -hmm. And every time Malachi is trying to get an undersuit, he waits to the last minute and will go to a dance store and it's usually all wrong. It's like too thin or not cut right. So yes, I always make something like an addition mm -hmm. to kind of cover up all the bare spots, like in the neck area and stuff. Right. 
Right. Well, I mean, if, unless you want something very basic, just like a pair of tights or a pair of a unitard or something. Yeah. Um, I find that dance clothing, it tends to be kind of too short in the torso, the yeah. length of it. And I'm a short person. I'm only 5'2". And even for me, if I get like a small size leotard, it's just too short. Mm-hmm. You know, it ends up being really tight in the crotch. So, you know, if you're going to need a whole full body suit, I mean, maybe it might be easiest, well, to make it yourself if you yeah. can. but. Well, the leotard you have for, um, or, um, unitard, sorry, you have for the Mavellan, was that, um, was that made special then? Or I thought you just bought that straight up. I did. I think I bought that at like discount dance supply. Mm-hmm. But you didn't ha- did you have to order a size up then to compensate for the torso? I did. I think mm-hmm. I ordered up to a medium or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would you say is the allure of this hobby for the both of you? Once you jumped in, clearly you, it seems like there was some hesitation. And then once you started doing it, clearly now you're kind of in for, in for good, but. Um, I guess for me is I got tired of having to step back and let Malachi get all like the pictures taken and whatnot and I have to wrangle him and it got kind of got boring. <laughs> it's like, gosh, it's like I'm standing around just kind of like, you know, like his his accessory making sure he has his wallet and keys with him. And, you know, pe- people were actually pushing me aside and I'm like, okay, this is a, I don't like this side of it. I kind of want to try the other side. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I, when I made my, when the adipose was done and I wore it for the first time and I got mobbed, that was like, oh, this is, this is interesting. This, <laughs> people know who I am and they're, they're like attacking me for a picture. It's like, it was weird and I liked it. <laughs> you got a taste. You got a taste for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is very rewarding when you feel like you've put so much effort into this costume and people just, you know, from head to toe, you've just gone the extra mile and people just give you that recognition and they're just like, wow, you know, it feels really good. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's also, I love to shop, so it kind of helps. <laughs> Isn't it though? You spend an inordinate time, amount of time online looking for that perfect pair of boots, you know, and the wig and everything. So I guess for me, it's the opposite because I'm not sure I'm ready for a costume where, you know, where my face is exposed, where I actually have to put in the the cosplay part of costuming. And so all my costumes, I'm covered from head to toe, and everybody thinks I'm a guy in my costume. Hmm. Everybody refers to me as a him, because I guess they don't think women would be in a head-to-toe costume where no one can see anything. Unless it's very clearly a girl costume with a helmet, you know, like a a femme uh, Mandalorian or something. Yeah. I think that goes back to the whole thing with, like, the sexy Halloween costumes. They think, oh, women, they want to, like, sex it up or something. And it's like, you know, so that's what they expect, you know. Because mm-hmm. men usually are the ones who cover up completely. I mean, I totally would not mind wearing a costume where I had to wear like a full face mask or whatever. That mm-hmm. would be totally fine with me because then you don't have to be constantly smiling or you don't have to be on all the time. In my adipose, I can actually, I was on ch- checking my cell phone <laughs> just standing there because I couldn't move anywhere. And so people were taking pictures with me and I'm just like kind of standing there texting and checking my email. You know, and then I had my water bottle in there, so I was good, covered head to toe. It's like the best costume, you know, when you have that much space and storage in your costume. Uh, for, for those listening who don't know, and I'll, I'll post some, some photos and the, the link to the Gallifrey coverage, uh, <laughs> what she's describing is not just a suit that it would be a, what you're thinking of as a suit. This thing is almost like being inside a giant beach ball. And there's a lot of room in there to, you know, do exactly what she's saying, and people would have no idea because on the outside they're just seeing a giant round adipose. Um, uh, just to make that clear, because I'm sure some people are going like, what? How would they not know? 
Um, yeah, no, it's great because my the boots held like when my my when my, my husband was in his costume, I had his clothes tucked into my boot leg, and I had his shoes and I had water. I had all of our extra things all tucked in in there, so it was I had storage with me. This seems like a good uh, point to stop off because I, I know this concerns both of you. Um, practicalities of costume and how do you plan for things like water and food and bathroom and so on? Because I know that you always have to keep that in mind. Yes, it needs to look great, but it has to be functional as well. Why don't we start with you, Terry, then we'll... Um, most of my costumes are pretty good. The ones where there's like separates or you're wearing a dress, that's pretty easy to go to the bathroom. The problematic ones are where you have like a unitard and then there's like something else on top of that, like another shirt and then belts and things where it's like, like my Mavellon is really hard to go to the bathroom in. Mm -hmm. I mean, I pretty much just try not to eat or drink too much when I'm wearing that, you know, and God forbid it should be your time of the month or something. You don't want to be caught in that <laughs> thing. It's like totally white. So, you know. Good to know. <laughs> a little TMI there, I mean. Something guys don't have to worry about. <laughs> is there a, is there anything, I know there's been this constant talk that we need to do a, a, almost like a special on various um, necessary undergarments for certain costumes like dance belts. Now, dance belts in particular probably aren't an issue for women, but along those same lines, what would you say you'd recommend for, for those sort of costumes? Um, okay, uh, your, your bra or whatever should be something that just... You know, like those t-shirt bras, right? Or a new bra if you're wearing something where you but need some backless. They have or... those those little like flower petal thingies that you put on them as well, mm -hmm. so that kind of hides the cold, you know, sweater thing. Yes, you don't <laughs> want to see any stuff like that, and you just want to make sure everything's smooth yeah. and it looks like your body shape. Th mm -hmm. There aren't things bursting out of strange places, especially mm -hmm. if you're wearing something really tight and form fitting. It's like, oops. Something yeah. fell out. Mm -hmm. You don't want to distract. You just want to look at the person and go, wow, that's a great costume. Not sure. like, oh my God, your underwear is totally riding up and all I can do is stare right there, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. Yeah, no, they have like underwear and stuff like that that are made so they, they are seamless and fit nicely. So it kind of gives you a good silhouette and, mm -hmm. you know, pick, you know, the color that goes best with your costume or get like a nude color to kind of not show up as much. So something to complement the color of the costume so it doesn't show up underneath and uh, something to not show. Yeah, because imagine scenes. wearing a, a white, something white underneath when your costume's black and the flash photography would be awful. And vice versa. Yeah, because people in Hollywood haven't really learned that yet. Hmm. Fair enough. Uh, I, I know, in, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, <laughs> we jumped ahead a little bit. What, what would you say has been your experience there in terms of tips? Um, well... I've been lucky enough to not have to worry about um, about personally being able to get in and out of costumes. Mm -hmm. But from my experience with helping Malachi with his costume is have a handler with you. Mm -hmm. Have them, you know, carry everything you'd need. Um, I have a friend. Um, she's She handles um, another friend's uh, Cobra Commander. Mm -hmm. And she always carries a diaper bag. And apparently diaper bags work great because they have places to put the water bottle where it's easily accessible. You know, everything is easy to get in and out. Um, so, you know, when when they, you know, you need a drink. Oh, straws. Yes. Straws are one of the most important things, especially mm -hmm. if you're in a costume where you cannot, like, tip your head back. You can't take your head off. You know, you could, but you have room to access a straw. Mm -hmm. Water bottles and straws. No, makes sense. And you're right. Those bags would be very compartmentalized for some yes. things. Yes, yeah. yes. You can 
put whatever you need there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vicky calls them Sherpas. I always thought that was a funny <laughs> name for, uh, for for basically handlers and friends willing to carry stuff and carry a camera and so on. Um, I know that uh, Terry and I, whenever we need to keep a little bit of uh, snacks on hand or yeah, little go-to things, you've always managed to work in some kind of small handbag either into the th- thing of the costume or something you can easily hide when we're taking photos so that it doesn't show up like, oh, Mary Marvel's got a handbag. Well, I'm lucky enough with my Mary Marvel cape that I can carry um, like a clutch purse with some bottles of water and food and I'll just carry it under that arm where it's covered by the cape so no one ever sees it, you know? I mean, some people aren't as fanatical about not showing their purse or their mm-hmm. backpack, but we're kind of not like that. We're more, we just, we want to look nice in the costume and not have a whole bunch of other bags and stuff hanging off of us. If we can help it, yeah. yeah. And the rare time it happens, I know we're we're very good about the hide the arm behind the person or sneak it right <laughs> off, just off for you know off to the side or something yeah I know how that goes but it's also good to have a place if you don't have a handler uh, to have a place that you can store that stuff whether it is a simple bag check or maybe like in our case our friend Dan is always very nice to let us store some stuff at his booth so that becomes a nice constant stop off to go oh I had to buy this one last thing on the floor but I can stash it here for a few hours while I go and do the rounds and then come back yeah we're lucky enough to have uh, a friend who has a booth as well mm-hmm. so they're like at a right prime position so there's like not a lot of worrying about interference between you know if you're going down one of the aisles or something so yeah having friends with booths is works out really well so tip for people make friends with the booth owners and see if they're if they're a big fan say hey if you're a big fan maybe you could hold my water back there for a few hours um and uh, always be aware of where the bathroom is <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's true yeah yes and if you have a costume where you either your feet are too big like mine i, I keep i try to keep flip-flops inside because i have to take my feet out and mm-hmm. i don't want to walk into the public restroom barefoot ah. <laughs> But do you consider the Little Bo Peep your first costume? Yes. I mean, I guess in the last, you know, five, several years, that would be, mm-hmm. you know, I've dressed up before, you know, and I honestly think that the way we dress every day is always a costume. You know, you choose what you're putting on. You can mm-hmm. wear something totally different every day. But yeah, I would say that. And you? My oud wasn't fully put together when I did it. So I guess my first full-fledged I'm going crazy with costuming or, you know, anything, I would have to be my adipose. Mm-hmm. So. Well, it, it uh, definitely was a hit. Even I always thought it was funny that even when you're not in it and it's just sitting there, people still come up to it and yeah. want photos and hug it and everything. Yeah, you know? no. it. I, used, I was just sitting on the chair, relaxing, you know, drinking my water after being in it. And it's like, people are like, oh, can I get a picture? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not getting back in there right now. Sorry. It's like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. And so now Malachi wants to create a stand where he could carry it around and then just kind of put it there and then like put the costume on and have the feet right underneath it perfectly. Sure. So it's like, I don't even need to wear it anymore. Just find a place to stash it and people can get photo ops with it that way. There you go. Yeah, um, that works. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's, there's a thrill in being inside of it and such. But uh, on the other hand, yeah, when you need to cool off, and, you know, recharge. Yeah, yeah, but there's also problems with being inside of it. Oh, sure. There's lots of horror stories of me being inside of it. Any you want to share? Um, okay, well, um, people started putting their hands in the mouth. Mm-hmm. And when people put their hands in, their, in, in the mouth of the adipose, it lines up perfectly with my chest. <laughs> <laughs> and so I kept hitting people. 
and they kept putting their hands in <laughs> and I kept hitting them and then eventually someone actually put in a credit card <laughs> and at that point I'm like grabbing onto it for dear life I'm like no you're giving that to me you're giving and, and eventually I had to let it go of course um and then um I've had um at WonderCon I got tackled in the lobby of the hotel mm-hmm. because I, I, I we just got done with the masquerade and I really can't carry it, so I'm just wearing it while walking. Mm-hmm. And some, you know, one of the cheerleading moms from some competition that was also going on there um, was really drunk and decided I was a hug machine uh. and tackled me. Mm-hmm. And so that's that experience. And I kind of went a little cuckoo on her, and I had to be held back because I wanted to attack her mm-hmm. because I nearly fell backwards. Um, and then at Comic-Con, people decided it would be fun to hit the top of the costume. What do you mean, what do you mean describe by hit? Um, they just, like, come up behind me and literally take their hands and just, like, hit the very top of the costume. Oh, wow. And my head is only about an inch or two away from the top. So Ooh. when they did that, I would get hit. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, and they thought that was funny. And because, you know, the costume isn't that tall and I'm, you know, I'm also kind of short. So, yeah, that wasn't very good. And then, like, a lot of people decide, like, since it's so wide and large, people just start tapping it and hitting it and poking it. And, you know, I didn't have any of these problems at Gallifrey. People were more respectful of the Adipose at Gallifrey, Yes, yeah. I have a picture of my friend Vicky grab like hugging it, but it looks like she's basically lifting it up, which Mm -hmm. I thought was one of the best pictures, but... But yeah, she's at least she's gentle to the adipose. People who know what an adipose is is very gentle with it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, any costume mishap stories from you, Terry? Well, I mean, I've had some people ask me if they could lift me in the air and take a picture with me and things like that. And uh, but you know, that's you know, no, I mean, mostly uh, you know, stocking runs, uh, wigs falling off because you didn't sew wig clips on them and they're too heavy to stay on, or you know. Things that were glued on your costume, like falling off of it. The Batgirl emblem, I know, caused a lot of problems. Yeah. yeah that one year in 09, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know that's been solved since then, but that's one of those things that learning curve. What about the little girl that practically tackled you at the Rancho Cucamonga oh, Library Day? Oh, that was so cute. Yeah. Uh, we we uh, did Superhero Day at the Rancho Cucamonga Library um, last, last year. year. Yeah, and uh, this little girl was like really excited to see me, so she ran up and jumped on me and knocked me over on the floor. But she was so cute. I she was, was like, wow. yeah. yeah. She was a big fan of Batgirl. Yes. <laughs> Something fun that I did at Gallifrey last year with my adipose is um, Barnaby Edwards, the Dalek operator, mm-hmm. actually got inside the my adipose with me. Mm, wow! So that was kind of weird. <laughs> and when people when when people get drunk at Gallifrey, they do weird things and stuff. And there were some probably photos that I should never post to the internet of what they did with my costume. Mm-hmm. So they were tra- they were wearing it and. Um, they were dancing with it in ways that probably shouldn't be danced with. And I just kind of stood back and watched. And I'm like, just don't get it dirty. Uh, but still respectful in that Gallifrey way, right? Yes, yes. very much okay. so. But yeah, so that was fun. Um, so, uh, I well, I know, uh, Terry, part of what got you into this was um, wearing the Star Trek dress at Wally's. 
Um, you know, because I, I could tell that you always had a, a little resistance to not so much costuming in general. Halloween you always enjoyed, but uh, in terms of going to a convention, what, what changed your mind to say, I'm going to do this, and then once you were there, clearly um, you had a good experience. I'm just kind of walking through those steps for, for those who are maybe on the fence about ever costuming at a convention. I was never against costuming. I just, um, I had never been to a convention before uh, 2009 at Comic-Con, and I was a little bit um, apprehensive about the crowds, like how crowded it would be, and um, just whether I would fit in, I guess, and how people would respond to whatever I was wearing. But um, I think all my costumes, like, for that year were really good. And um, and I, I think part of it also was that I was part of a group. And so people really responded to that when they see a whole group of you together and they get all excited. So mm-hmm. I kind of, you know, fed off of that. I thought, wow, this is great. You know, you meet a lot of new people and, uh, you know, you get a lot of props for your costume. And um, we did some like, uh, well, we ended up getting into that book, right? That coffee table book. Where we had uh, our- yeah, that was... Um- at Comic Con 2010, which then got published in 11. The what was it? Comic Con of Fans Hope. Yes. Book? Yeah, yeah I, I was in that one too. Right. Right. Yeah. Not in costume. That's before I was doing costuming. Ah. But there's a picture of me and Malachi um, where I think I think he, um, I'm kissing him as War Machine. Oh, okay. Uh, I know. And yeah, that's right. I know our Star Trek group made it in the main edition, and then in the, in the sideshow edition, there's our Captain Marvel and Mary Marvel duo right across from Sam and Kelby. It's Superman and Supergirl, which is rather cute. Um, so anyone who owns those books, you can go look them up and check them out. Uh, but uh, I guess what I'm always curious about is, uh, you know, your perception of, of costuming and the convention experience uh, before when you just kind of see it online and hear about it versus actually doing it. And, and what's the difference or did it live up to your expectations or did you, you know, have to adjust expectations, etc.? Well, before... I even thought of doing costuming at a convention. I remember seeing, like, people, like, mostly, like, furry people in costume. Mm-hmm. And, um, Mascot style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I saw them and anime people in costume. And I really didn't fit into either of those categories. Sure. And, you know, it's like, I like anime, but I don't love it enough to dress up as that. And I'm looking at that. I'm like, oh, that's just that's just kind of weird, you know. And I'm like, right. <laughs> I'm like, why would you go through all this trouble to make a costume? But it's like I, in high school, I remember having a friend who was a big, big Star Trek fan, mm-hmm. and he had all kinds of costumes already, and he was wearing like Starfleet medical scrubs to school. And I, I'm like, okay, I love Star Trek a lot, but I don't know if I'd want to dress up. And I just thought it was kind of weird and. Not really what I wanted to do at all. Okay. So, right. And then that all changed when I met Malachi. Sure. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's, he's really, really big into costuming. Mm-hmm. He loves it. He feeds off of all the attention he gets. Sure. I think you have to, to to want to get out there and wear it. Yeah. So, but you found when she started doing it that... Yeah, I guess it took me finding a... Because, like, there are fandoms I love, mm-hmm. but then, you know, when I discovered Doctor Who... It's like, okay, I love my fandoms, but I love Doctor Who. And I guess that's really where I discovered, oh, you know what? Dressing up in characters that I adore is worth it. I never thought badly of people that dressed up in costume. I never thought of it as being odd. I mean, I guess because 
I don't know. I always just, I like interesting people. I was an art major in college. I mean, to me, it's just another creative outlet, mm -hmm. basically. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of people who do costuming have some kind of a theater background. I've noticed that. So they obviously like attention. They like to, you know, embody the character and stuff. So. And you found once you actually started doing it at uh, these various conventions and various characters, you've probably gone through uh, quite a lot of characters in a short span of time, uh, that did it, did it live up to what you were thinking, or was it different than what you thought? I guess I never gave a lot of thought to what it would be like, you know? Aside I, from fear of the crowds. I knew that I would get attention, and I think that was what kind of scared me, because I don't normally like to be the center of attention, and when you're dressed head to toe in some, like, wild costume, yeah, everyone's going to look at you, and so... But that's okay, because obviously you're wearing that costume, you want people to look at you, you know? Mm -hmm. But just getting comfortable with that, and people coming up to you and going, Oh my gosh, you're like the most amazing <laughs> person I've ever seen. Oh, you're like, oh God, step away, you know? See, I think that's that's where I came and, and was like, this is kind of weird. I don't, I don't want to know if I like this. is because I was in theater stuff, and mm -hmm. I mostly wanted to stay behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And being on stage you know, was never something I really craved. Because mm -hmm. I'm one of those people who, you know, are like, oh my God, I have stage fright, blah, blah, blah. And then once I'm on stage, I'm fine. Sure. It's just getting to that point. And mm -hmm. I don't think I ever, getting into costuming would have been like, okay, well, that means I am planning ahead to be on stage and be the center of attention. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that yet. So once, once I, you, have to, you just have to find your niche. Sure. So, yeah. I just, I was never, I never wanted to be the center of attention. It's weird for me. But clearly you get an enjoyment out of it once Oh, you now, know. yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Now that, now that I found my niche, I'm, oh. I'm happy. <laughs> so, so out of these experiences, um, you've all done Comic-Con and WonderCon and Gallifrey and, and a few others. What has been your favorite convention experience? Or convention to go to and convention experiences? Um, I guess my favorite convention is Comic-Con. Um, San Diego Comic-Con. Yes, yeah, San Diego Comic-Con. It's just, um, it's big. And uh, I love the atmosphere of the town and just hanging out with all of our friends at night um, after the, is, the day is over. And uh, yeah, I think just the amount of people that are there, you know you're going to get a lot more recognition for whatever you're wearing and that someone's going to know who you are. Assuming that you've planned accordingly and you're wearing the right costume for the venue, as we all talk about. Yes, right? I've also learned a lesson about that. If you try to wear something that's too obscure... It's you're just it doesn't matter how hard you work, people just aren't gonna get it. Yeah. And, and somebody will always know who you are, but um so maybe it's better to wear something that's a little uh more popular there. Or in a big group. Yes. Power the group. Yeah. Um for me, um I would have said San Diego Comic Con would have been my favorite convention until I went to Gallifrey. Mm. And so now Gallifrey one is I would I, you know, I spend way more money on going to Gallifrey, you know, it's like the first year I went there, I didn't have a hotel and we we're driving about an hour each way every day. Ah. And after that, I'm after the first time I'm like, we're getting a hotel. Yeah. We're staying there, you know, and it's, it's one of the most fun experiences I've ever had. Um, because at, at San Diego people, you know, it is, it's much larger and, you know, it's easy to miss stuff and it's. You know, it's it's fun, but I miss the intimacy of a smaller convention. Sure. And um, my favorite um, convention experience would have to be going um, to one of the uh, volunteer events after Gallifrey and being petted by Paul McGann. <laughs> 
so that that was kind of fun. Nice. Yeah. Nice approval from a doctor. I like yes. That. Yes. Because mm -hmm. we were backstage um, because my costume was so large, I had to leave it behind while they were doing all the the judging and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so while Paul McGann was waiting to go up, I'm sitting there and he's like petting my costume. And then eventually, after at the volunteer event, you know, he petted he pet my head, and this was like, oh, this is nice. I like this. <laughs> I want to volunteer more often. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, I think that was my favorite experience of that. And then, um, at Comic Con, um, one of my favorite experiences is, um, was, it's kind of crazy, but I had never lined up for anything. And Malachi, you know, he lined up for Star Wars movies and all that. And mm -hmm. I'm like, that's just kind of crazy to camp out. And, uh -huh. and, but I decided to camp out for um, the Doctor Who autograph session, I, which yeah. wasn't, it wasn't a guaranteed, you know, and I'm like the first Whovian at line, in line at 7 p.m. the day before. Mm -hmm. And it was a fun experience. I was lined up with someone who was actually the niece of someone Malachi actually lined up with for Star Wars. So mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of crazy and a weird coincidence. But, you know, you have fun with friends and you meet new people and... And then you get in line, and everyone in your group just like gets a ticket for the autograph, and you know that that was fun. So. And, and I'm very glad you did that because uh, I reaped some benefits there too. So yes, and then the you. funniest part was when I when when we were all dressed up in costume and they were leaving. Yeah. Um. Everybody's like, "Oh, they're only looking at the good costumes," and I'm like. My costume's good? Oh, wow, thank you. <laughs> I still need all the positive reinforcement that my costume is good because I saw all the flaws. Yes, that, that's true. It's easy, I, easy to do that. And I did try to get them to come out again for another photo op this year, but it was it was the staff at Comic-Con that said no. Wait, you mean after their signing? Or? Yeah, they wanted to. They wanted to take pictures with everybody like they did the previous year. Yeah, yeah. Our, our wonderful moment where it wasn't planned and security clearly didn't want us doing it and, and all that fun stuff. And clearly there was a bunch of people in that group who had seen that photo on Tumblr and, and on the web. And, uh, and it clearly, yes, Matt and Karen, they're down for it. It's just, it's the handlers, it's security. And I understand the concern because they don't know if we're crazy. They don't know, you know, what, what we have in mind beyond just, you know, hey, we're fans, we want a photo. So um, it was disappointing that, I mean, it was great that they waved to us and, and took their photos of us and such as they walked to the signing. But as they walked back, for those who weren't there, security basically made them walk inside the glass walls instead of letting them walk outside, not even taking the chance that Matt Smith or Karen or Arthur would want to stop and walk up and take some photos and such, which was a bit of a bummer, but you know, it was a big deflated moment, but I never heard this part. So you did approach them afterwards. And now, now wait, you approached the BBC or, or um, I actually, I asked Karen uh -huh. and Arthur and they were like, Oh yeah, yeah, totally. You know? And I'm like, Oh great. You know, but then, you know, um, they were talking a little loud about it to each other, and then Comic Con staff overheard that. Um, and at that point, they're like, "Nope, nope, nope, we're not letting him do that. You can't do that." Yeah, I I have a feeling there was a lot of heavy talk after what happened the year before because uh, I got the impression that they really dropped the ball and they probably got uh, a big lecture about don't let the fans near these guys. Um, 
But oh well. Now, I just wanted to clarify whether that was Comic-Con staff or BBC America staff? Comic-Con staff. Oh. Because I did notice they were really kind of... Mat- you remember that? They were massing up people as the signing ended. And there was more people coming out to where we were and lo- looking out for the doorways and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I saw people running ahead trying to get in, mm-hmm. like, way down at the other uh, entrance area. And they were, like, trying to, like, say no, no, no. They were trying to keep them away from, from the other doors and yes. whatnot. Yeah. But, yeah, no, because um, they literally... I had some of the staff from Comic-Con say, yeah, you can wear your giant adipose you know, right, right up line. to them because mm-hmm. they had someone dressed as a Dalek go right up there. That's right. And they thought I was part of BBC because they looked at my costume and they're like, oh, no one's going to be that crazy enough to make one something like this. Oh, right. And because I had I had a BBC America lanyard, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, actual employee stuff. And mm-hmm. they're like, oh, yeah, no problem. And then once they realized, I talked to a different person and they're, when I, I was very honest and said, oh, no, I'm not with BBC. And they're like, oh, no, you can't wear that. And and so I was like, okay, I want to take my boot up there because I was half tempted to yes. sa- sign my boot. Yes. Um, and they actually checked it for um, weapons. Ah. You know, people can have backpacks and all kinds of boxes of everything. But, but a giant I, foot. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so they like, they closely inspected it and whatnot and... Yeah, and so, but eventually they let me go through. And it was because I had the shoe with me, I started talking with them like when I was like fourth from from the signing, mm-hmm. and so that's why we had a little bit of back and forth conversation, and that's how I was able to ask them. Mm. The power of the white foot. The power <laughs> of the adipose foot. Um, what about you, Terry? What's been your best convention experience? Oh my gosh, um, I really liked participating in the um, the skits at Gallifrey uh, mm-hmm. for the masquerade. Um, the the uh, the monster society or the companion game. Uh, the companion game was really fun. Mm-hmm. That was funny. I like that one. Yeah, it's just fun, you know, and um, just all the rehearsal time we put into that and seeing it all come together at the end and the, the response was really great. So there's a lot more pressure on you because that was, you know, all live audio. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which that's we had stressful. to push hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, I have horrible stage fright, so it was like. Uh, <laughs> are you sure you really want me to do this? <laughs> I, I need to stress for listeners, by the way, who don't know uh, Terry, that, uh, yeah, I asked her to do it because she had the Dodo costume, and I try to write these skits to accommodate the newer costumes, obviously, because at its heart, yeah, we want to entertain, but we also want to show off the new stuff because it's a masquerade. And I said, Terry, let's do this. And I remember you had a lot of hesitation to the point where you were <laughs> almost like, maybe I shouldn't do this. And we didn't really have anyone else ready to wear the costume. So I almost, I had a backup script ready for Ace to take that part. And I would have asked our friend Selena to do it. Um, and she was game, but luckily I'm glad you came through because I think it, it, it worked out great. And I actually am glad we got a little love for Dodo out there in the world. You know, she's such a forgotten companion. Um, but yeah, no, you did great. And uh, I think, you know, it, it came off really well. And you're right, it, all that rehearsal really paid off. Um, but yeah, I remember uh, I was surprised at the scream you uttered when you had to get uh, almost taken away by Scaroth. <laughs> I'm good at screaming. Yes. That's one thing I can do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the only downside, I think, of being in the masquerade is you miss all, like, watching everybody else, and then you miss the, the skits that they do while they're judging. Exactly. You know, it's like you have to go to YouTube and find out about it. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, well, the intermission stuff. 
Uh, well, remind me, um, and this is something I've decided I'm going to do from now on, uh, because we be- we usually just try to film our own skit. But starting this year, I had a friend of mine film the entire masquerade. And uh, we know they've got cameras on it because they feed on the monitor. But apparently they don't record. And every mm-hmm. year I've tried to get tapes of past masquerades because I'd like to get the whole show and another angle on our skits. But I've always had issues there. And I'm still working on it. One day it may happen. And if, if so, and if anyone was in those masquerades from, say, 2008 and up, you know, contact me and I'll see what I can do when and if I ever get copies of some of these. But in the meantime, for the 2012 Masquerade, I do have an entire run of that, um, of every skit. So uh, remind me, I can at least run that off for you oh, uh, if yay. you want a copy, and um, uh, including, of course, your skit, which we've been meaning to put on YouTube, but Scott's been. Busy I actually with stuff. found one. Oh, you did. I did find one. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it was an okay skit, and I, um, I think I tagged some of the people who were in it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, it was. It was funny to watch. <laughs> you mean the, the adipose? adipose skit? Yes, yeah, okay. partners in crime. Yeah. Yes, partners in crime. But uh, it was hard finding some of the skits because I always have to go because I know the one I did at WonderCon because of the music we used. It was every time it was posted, it got pulled. Oh yeah, YouTube's getting really big on cracking down on that. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand, but you'd think for a live performance they could let it slide. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, yeah, so from now on, I've just decided I'm gonna make sure someone's always recording the mask for us. And those who are in the mask can just contact me and I'll, I'll get them a copy of someone or at least of their skit, whatever they prefer. So <sighs> live and learn. I should have been doing that years ago, but no, you know, when, as we learned with, uh, you know, taking photos of you in a costume on the floor and having a friend nearby and having your own camera, cause you don't know if you'll find all these millions of photos being taken of you. Yeah, I always have to hunt. I usually just hunt them down after I get mm-hmm. home. But you'll never find like nearly all of them. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I know um, when it's me and Malachi, we take almost no pictures. Yeah, that's that's a problem. And then when I'm with my friend Susan, we take a bazillion pictures. Yeah. So it's like I keep wanting her to come back down to the LA to, mm-hmm. to actually. It's like, come on, you'll take more pictures. Come on, you you know you want to come. But oh, hi, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, especially if you want any particular pose shots, like, oh, I want to get a shot in that, at that background or at that booth or whatever. Yeah. I, I yeah. Think that's very important. It was great with the, when I finally got back to the cosplay room where, when Scott was taking all the photos. Oh yeah. I love those photos. They came out so good. Yeah. Scott's a master of that stuff. I like really the one with, 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 um, Baker's scarf and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah. I yeah. love that picture. That's, that's great. Yeah. That was me. Holding the silly. Cyberman head. Yes. Yeah. The, the hat and the scarf. Right. That was, a, or no, wait, I didn't. We have didn't my do hat. the hat. Yeah, that's right, because my hat was upstairs. Yeah, it would have been good. I well, still want to do like elements of every doctor as the adipose. Okay. So that well, I think that would be fun. Talking to the right guy, so <laughs> we'll, we'll make it happen. And that's where we lose the signal for this episode. Come on back next time for the second half of my chat with Terry and Christina. We're going to get into convention mishaps, adipose madness, is it possible to make an accessory out of Hoppy the Marvel Bunny, and can you even attempt a robo-doctor costume? You heard it here. So if you have any questions, just go to www.costumestationzero.com, and I'll be happy to answer. In the meantime, this is Bob Mitch signing off for Costume Station Zero.
Thank you.